0: you're listening to the Central City Assembly podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for Jesus. So enjoy this episode and may you be filled with the love of God the Father. Good morning, church family. Man, um, should we just move this whole thing outside in the beautiful weather? Yeah, in the nice cool. Okay, well, maybe next time I'll plan ahead and I'll send you a text. All right. Um, hey, and also, the, the men were up on the mountain this past weekend. Um, it's good to see you guys back. Um, we all made it down safely, no bears or anything like that. Um, but they were kind enough to not eat all of the cookies and drink all of the orange juice, and they brought them back for you. Um, so feel free to have some cookies and, and OJ or make yourself a cup of coffee. But um, we just love that this is a family environment. We just love that we can just calm and and be who we are. Um, So, hey, I don't know if you know this, um, but flying an airplane is really hard. No, it is not easy. Flying an airplane is really hard. Um, I think pilots, what they do is they make it look easy, uh, but that's only because they've gone through many, many years, thousands of hours of training and practice. Uh, Even with modern avionics technology, that uses uh, computers and algorithms and AI and probably a little bit of wizardry to, to make the miracle of flight easier, um, pilots still have to be engaged. Uh, pilots still have to have a sharp uh, attention to make sure they make it to their destination. Uh, while it might seem Like all you have to really do is is, uh, to reach your your desired destination is point the nose of the airplane in the direction you want to go and then just keep going. It might seem that easy, but there's a lot more to it. Um, There are a lot of variables that pilots have to uh, account for. And if they don't account for these variables, then really bad things will happen. Really bad things. Um, One of those variables is something called wind drift wind drift Um, let's say an airplane takes off from Tucson um, and starts heading toward Phoenix I don't know why they would want to go to Phoenix but it's the closest straight line kind of thing I could think of Um, but if the the pilot gets in the air and just maintains that heading of north and then travels in a relatively straight line for about 107 miles um, they should reach Phoenix without any problems pretty simple right Uh, But if there's any kind of crosswind where the wind is blowing against the plane or to the side of the plane, um, it can cause this thing called wind drift. It can cause the the plane to to drift. And what makes this tricky is that all of the instruments on the airplane might say you're still moving forward, you're still headed north, but the wind has pushed your straight line either to the left or to the right of where you want to go of phoenix and if you don't pay attention then you'll travel for 107 miles north in a straight line but wind drift might cause you to still be 30 miles away from phoenix right it's still you'll, you'll be off of your path which if you have enough gas then that's not a problem but what if you plan your straight line route to avoid mountains we have those in arizona don't we all right again you might be going north but with wind drift, your path has been pushed over and now you're headed right for those mountains that you wanted to avoid. And if visibility is low or your flight instruments are somehow off, you could very well crash into those mountains. And that might sound like a far-fetched, um, crazy scenario, but it's happened. There are stories, tons of stories, um, where pilots, they relied too much on autopilot and they neglected their instincts their training, and and really their responsibilities. And then these outside variables, like wind, they cause them to drift, and then they crash into a mountain, or they crash into the sea, or they ran out of gas, and they had to make an emergency landing. And and do you trust your pilots more? That's kind of scary, isn't it? But after the accident, when when they recover the black box, and they look at the, the flight data, the real question in those scenarios... was it the wind that caused the accident or was it the neglect of the pilot because if a pilot is paying close attention and not relying too much on autopilot wind drift can be corrected it can be corrected slight adjustments careful attention to details can prevent major accidents And at the start of of chapter two of Hebrews, the author essentially makes the same point to people who are following Jesus on this journey called life. Drifting away from Jesus, drifting away from your faith is possible. Drifting can lead to problems for us, but also drifting can be corrected. Corrected or even avoided altogether if we don't neglect to keep our focus, our attention on Jesus. And so in verse one of chapter two, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And so the title of today's message is The Danger of Drifting. Can we just pray one more time and ask God to be with us this morning. God, this is a heavy subject. Um, It's not something that maybe we want to talk about or or maybe it's very personal because we know people that we love who are drifting or maybe we are drifting right now. We might not want to hear this message right now, but God, I pray in your grace, in your mercy, in your love, your words would just go right to where they need to go for us this morning. God, we're believing that, that you do have good for us. You're our heavenly, loving Father who wants good for us. And sometimes that means correction. Sometimes that means putting us back on the right track. And so we're we're still praying the same thing. We're still singing the same thing. We're available, God. Would you move and work in us this morning? Would you have your way in us? We thank you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said amen. All right, so go ahead. If you haven't already, open up to the book of Hebrews. Um, We're done with Hebrews chapter 1 after a couple weeks, um, and we're moving into Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to hang out in only four verses this morning, so not that far into chapter 2. But turn there if you haven't already, and we're going to look at one of five exhortations or five warnings that the author of Hebrews gives us throughout this book. Um, That's the pattern of Hebrews. If you've read through it, maybe you've seen this. The author gives some exposition and then an exhortation. Uh, He explains his point or his stance on an issue, and then he gives us a warning to follow that. So exposition, then exhortation, explanation, then warning. That's what we're going to see on and off as we go through this book. And so we're looking at the, the first warning, concerning this topic of drifting away from Jesus, drifting away from our faith. And my goal this morning is to show you the various ways that, that we can neglect our faith that leads to drift, but also the, the simple solution to correct or even avoid drift altogether. All right, so Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Let's look at this together. The author says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. What we first need to do is we need to realize that this this verse, um, it starts with the word, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. And this means that what he is about to say in chapter 2 is connected with everything he just said in chapter 2, or chapter 1. And like I mentioned, chapter 1, and if you remember, is all about how amazing Jesus is. He's amazing, right? Right? Amen? Church family, Jesus is amazing, right? He is, right? Uh, He's the radiance of the glory of God, the author tells us. He's the exact imprint of his nature. He's the creator, the sustainer, and king of the cosmos. He has the greatest name, which is Son of God. He's acted on our behalf as priests to make sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus is amazing. Therefore, because Jesus is so amazing, because of who Jesus is, what he's done, how he's told us to live, we must pay much closer attention to him. We must pay much closer attention to everything that we've heard of this Jesus or we'll drift away from him. We'll drift away from our faith. And this is a pretty straightforward idea, wouldn't you agree? right, if you don't pay close attention to most things in life, what happens? Parents, if you don't pay much closer attention to your kids, what happens? Bad stuff, amen, right? Or if you don't pay much close attention to uh, your plants, which that happens if I'm in charge of plants, what happens to them? They die. If you don't pay close attention to the maintenance of your car, what happens? It dies. If you don't pay close attention to your relationship with your friends, your family, your spouse, the relationship dies. Plain and simple, neglected things die. And when neglected things die, you can no longer benefit from the value that they bring to your life. And the same is true for our faith in Jesus. Faith on one hand is a powerful thing. Faith is powerful. Jesus said that if we have uh, the amount of faith as, as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. Faith is powerful. But on the other hand, what we see is that faith is also fragile. It requires attention and care and cultivating, our faith can waver, our faith can shrink, our faith can fade, but only if we neglect it and don't pay close attention to it. Neglected things die. And so the author continues to to make his point, and he says in verse 2, he starts referencing the Old Testament he says in verse 2, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, all right, so this message declared by angels here refers to the law and the covenant that God gave Israel in the Old Testament. God made a covenant, a promise with Israel, that if they believed and followed him, then he would bless them. But if they neglected to follow him, they neglected their faith, they would drift away from them, from him and they would be cursed. And what we see throughout the Old Testament is that when Israel held up their end of the bargain, the covenant, right, the law, God's blessings followed them. But when they turned away from God, neglected their faith in him, they drifted away and consequences, bad things followed. And so that's, that's what the author of Hebrews means when he says, the message declared by angels proved to be reliable. And he continues in verse two saying, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Anytime they neglected their faith, anytime they sinned or were disobedient, consequences followed. But another important piece of this verse is how this message was delivered to God's people. And here, what's interesting is that the author believes the covenant and the law, the Ten Commandments. He believes that they were delivered by angels. Now, when you read in Exodus, if you've read it before, the story of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, there's nothing in there about angels. You don't read that in the Exodus story. But this became a Jewish tradition passed down from generation to generation, even into the the early first century with the the Jewish Christians. And here, what we see here is that this this author, he believes that angels delivered the 10 commandments to Moses. We also see this with Peter. Peter, he believed this because he says the same thing during his sermon on the day of Pentecost. You remember how God delivered the 10 commandments to Moses through angels. That's my translation. Um, Now, why is this important? Because the way the people in the Old Testament received God's message is different from the way people in the New Testament and we receive the message today. And we talked about this a little bit already, right? In the Old Testament, God's message was delivered secondhand through angels. Angels were the messengers. But in these last days, we've received the message firsthand directly from Jesus, who is God. Jesus is the messenger, and he's greater than angels, as we learned and talked about last week. So the point is, we have a greater messenger, amen? Or think of it this way. There are times when we tell Miles, our our oldest son, to relay a message to his little brother, Oliver. And so Miles will, will go to his little brother and say, Oliver, mom and dad want you to get your shoes on because we're about to leave. And sometimes Oliver will listen, Other times, he'll look at Miles and say, who are you? I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep doing my thing. And so Miles will will come to us and say, Mom, Dad, Oliver isn't putting his shoes on. Then what do you think has to happen next? Mom and Dad have to personally deliver this message, and then Oliver is like, oh, okay, I'll do it. I'll put my shoes on. While the message delivered by Miles to Oliver is coming directly from mom and dad, it doesn't have as much oomph, as much weight as when mom and dad personally deliver the message. And so what would you say has more weight? A message from God delivered by angels or a message from God delivered personally by God himself? Right, we've received the message of God's great salvation, not from angels, but from God himself in his son, Jesus. Right, we have a greater messenger. That's powerful. Right, not only that, but we have a greater message, much greater message. The message of salvation that we've received today is far greater than the message the people received in the Old Testament. The Old Testament message of salvation depended on people following the law, the Ten Commandments, right? Do this, do that, obey this, obey that, and then you'll be saved. It was a works-based message of salvation. And what we see is that Israel constantly failed to live up to the law and the covenant. But the new law, the new covenant that we have in Jesus today is all faith-based, There is nothing that we have to do in order to be saved because Jesus, our king, our priest, he's done it all for us, right? Jesus did the thing, Jesus did that thing. He obeyed, he listened, and because of him, we are saved. And all we have to do is confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead and we are saved, that's it. Now, there are things that, works that we should do as followers of Jesus, right? But these are all evidence of our salvation, not requirements for our salvation. And so the, the message of salvation that we have is far greater than the message of salvation the people in the Old Testament received. And how we've received, how we've received the message is far greater because it's not come through angels, but from God himself in Jesus, And if negative consequence and drifting always happened when the Old Testament believers neglected the message, what do you think will happen when we neglect the far greater message and the far greater messenger? And that's what the author of Hebrews communicates in verse 3. He says, how shall we escape? Right? Is it even possible? Like, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was delivered at first by the Lord. He's saying the same thing. Jesus, God himself delivered this message to us. He keeps going. And it was attested to us by those who heard. Not only did Jesus deliver the message, but those who lived with, walked with, learned from Jesus, they accurately conveyed the message of salvation to others. Not only that, keep going. Verse 4 While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. When the message of salvation was delivered, God authenticated that message as true through various miracles, signs, wonders, healings, resurrections, deliverances. And we keep going. The message of salvation is authenticated by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed uh, according to his will. We know that this message that we hear about this King Jesus dying on a cross and rising from the dead, we know it's real because we have his spirit living inside of us. And he gives us gifts and the ability to live differently, transformed lives than we lived before. Hey, we can say no to sin, that alone is transformation enough for me. We can say no to sin. We can love and serve people in a way that we couldn't before the Holy Spirit. The messenger and the message are far greater. Jesus is better. We have better. We know better than believers before us. What's going to happen if we neglect this great salvation, this faith of ours? He says we will drift away. We will And what we'll learn later on in Hebrews is that if we drift away too far, our drift will ultimately lead to denial, denying the message and the messenger altogether. The author of Hebrews, he he goes a little bit further and he says that there, there is a point when you've drifted too far beyond return and the result is that neglected things die. It's a hard Difficult conversation that we're going to have to have later on in Hebrews, but it's important. But listen, we don't have to get to that point. We don't have to get to that point. Drift doesn't have to lead to denial and death. Like I said at the beginning, drift can be corrected. That's called hope, church family. Drift can be corrected. So what I want to do with the remainder of our time is I want to point out three ways that that drift can happen in our lives. Because like with the illustration of the drifting airplane, uh, drift isn't always obvious. We don't always see it at first. It happens subtly. And then I'll show you the simple solution to correct drift. All right? We're all on the same page, game plan. All right, so what are the ways that drift happens subtly in our lives? Well, what's cool is that the Greek word um, the author uses for drift, I'm not going to try and say it this morning, um, but it has some imagery associated with it. The Greek word is associated with water, moving, flowing water. And so the first image of drift that we have is of evaporation. Everybody say evaporation. And you know what evaporation is? It happens when water and the environment around it is warm enough to vaporize the water into a gas, And evaporation, it can happen quickly. It can also happen very slowly over time, right? If you just leave a bowl of water out in the sun and you neglect to add water to it every single day, it will evaporate. And if you leave it long enough, you'll come back to an empty bowl, completely dry. And our faith is the same way. We are filled with faith when we first say yes to Jesus and and we we put our hope and our trust in him, do you remember the first time that you said yes to Jesus, the faith that you had in that moment? But after that, we have to continue to nurture and cultivate our faith. We have to fill our souls with the word of God. We have to grow our faith by trusting him through obedience and living according to his ways. But if we don't do that, then our faith will slowly and over time evaporate until there's nothing there. We'll drift away. And what sometimes happens, I think, is, is people, they hear this amazing, great message of salvation that we're talking about, and, and they put their hope, their faith in Jesus. They believe in him. And then they're filled with this incredible faith. And they believe confidently that their faith will help them throughout this life but some people treat their faith more like um, an emergency ration. They've got my salvation secured. I'm ready to go. And then it goes in the back pocket. And when life is good and and things are are going as planned and the way we want them to, sometimes we don't always rely on our faith. Why why do we need that? Life is great. Why do we need this faith? We, We treat it like an emergency ration. But when that happens, what happens when life turns bad? Right, we think, oh yeah, I've got this faith. I remember this faith thing, it's gonna help me. But people who've neglected their faith this whole time, they turn back to an empty bowl. There's nothing there. Right, we feel like God isn't present when we cry out to him. We feel like prayer isn't working, like God's word isn't relevant for us in our time of need, we drift away. And what we have to think, again, is drifting God's fault? No, we've neglected our faith. So evaporation, the second image of drifting is of a leaking vessel, a leaking vessel. So imagine the bowl full of water again. And imagine leaving it outside in the Tucson sun. If you've ever left anything outside in the Tucson sun, you know what happens, right? It deteriorates. And so um, if it's a plastic bowl, then the outside elements, they might cause the bowl to crack. And if that bowl is cracked even slightly, the bowl will eventually empty. And sometimes if, if we're not paying careful attention, the world and culture and society, it can influence us causing cracks in our faith. You hear what I'm saying? That the world's views and the world's ways start to influence how we live. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that the world's views and ways are often in conflict with Jesus's ways. And so what people will do is they'll attempt to follow Jesus in faith while also allowing themselves to be influenced by this outside world, the outside sources. But you can't serve two masters. A house divided cannot stand. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Scripture is full of warning about how the ways of God cannot mix with the ways of the world. And if you continue to try and mix them, it will lead to destruction, cracks in your faith. And flirtation with the world in that way will dilute your faith in Jesus. And it's subtle. It's subtle. Because the ways of the enemy... And the ways of the world, they're sneaky, right? You know this, the enemy often disguises lies with truth. And so the world might disguise something as good, but if you pay close attention, you'll see that it's not good. It's in in conflict with the gospel of Jesus. I can think of some examples right now. The, The world right now is celebrating the rights of individuals, which I believe rights are good. But when the world celebrates the rights of an individual over and at the expense of the rights of of another person, like unborn children, the elderly, those trapped in sex trafficking. That is not good, and it's incompatible with the gospel of Jesus. I also see this with things like critical theory and all of its sub-theories, Critical theory, critical race theory, critical gender theory. You know what? The world makes this sound as good and righteous, but hear me, they are incompatible with the gospel of Jesus. And I may have opened up a can of worms. If you have questions about that, come and talk to me uh, why that's true. The point is, if we don't pay close attention, if we don't pay close attention to the words, the voice of Jesus, If we don't care for and nurture our faith, we will form cracks in our faith and will become leaky vessels, leaky vessels. The third image of drifting is is more of what I think the author of Hebrews had in mind in verse one, which is that of a drifting boat. Um, We'll see that the author uses a lot of nautical imagery throughout his letter. Um, He probably was a sailor or at least enjoyed it as a hobby. I don't know, Um, but lots of boat imagery. Um, but if a person wasn't careful to properly tie their boat to a dock or, or something like that, then the waves lifting and moving could actually loosen the knot and cause the boat to drift away out into sea, right? And, and, and what we see is that um, th- there might be many reasons why the, the, the person didn't tie a good enough knot. Maybe they pulled into shore and they just had to, they had to get off the boat quickly and go do something. So they quickly and hurriedly tied the knot, not paying attention. But again, whose responsibility is it to pay close attention, to make sure the knot is tight and secure? And if we don't pay close attention to our faith, we can encounter the same thing. You know, sometimes I, I think we are so preoccupied with other things in life that we don't give enough time to our faith. We'll give some time, right? We'll read the verse of the day. Right? We'll, we'll read a quick devotion. We'll say a quick prayer. We'll make sure that we go to church on Sunday, right? But, but that's like the person who was in a hurry and did a sloppy job tying their, their boat to the dock. A loose and neglected faith will result in drift. Now I get it, sometimes it's hard to spend a good amount of time reading God's word and praying and devoting time to your relationship with him. Sometimes all you have is five minutes in the morning. I've been there, I get it. You know what, there's grace for that. But for some people, that's all they give to their faith. That's their norm. For some people, God is important, but other things are more important to them For some people, faith is important, but other things are more important. But you know what? That's not how Jesus presents a life of faith with him in his own words. Because he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added to you. Seek first to make sure your faith not is tight and secure in Jesus Don't neglect your faith. Don't tie a sloppy, hurried knot and risk drifting away. So so three ways that drift can happen in our lives. What drift can look like. Evaporation, a leaking vessel, a drifting boat. And maybe you've experienced these before. Maybe you've drifted away and you can realize, oh man, I, I was in an evaporation season of my life. I was a leaking vessel. I didn't time, am I not good enough? Maybe you know someone in your life who is drifting right now, and you can see how they came to that place. Maybe you didn't see it before because it, it can be subtle, but you see it now that you right now are drifting. Well, good news drift can be corrected, right? If you're just drifting and you're not yet at that point of of denying, then it's not too late. There's hope, drift can be corrected. And so the answer to this, it lies again in verse one. Verse one is so important. It says again, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. We must pay closer attention. When I read that, I think consistency in the small things consistency in the small things. You know, sometimes we, we realize we're, we're drifting away from Jesus. Some preacher comes up and says, hey, you might be drifting. And you're like, oh, I'm drifting. Right? And you see it. And the alarms start going off. And we think, man, I need to do something to correct this so I don't crash and burn. But listen, there is such thing as over-correcting. And sometimes over-correcting can lead to worse problems in your life. Listen, the way you correct drift of your faith is not by overcorrecting. If you find yourself drifting away, the answer, church family, is not to join a convent and become a nun. All right, God might be calling you to that, but maybe not. The answer is not to quit your job and become a full time minister, the answer is not to go start some nonprofit. The answer is not to do something big and dramatic. The author says the answer is simply pay closer attention to Jesus. Consistency in the small things. If your drifting looks like evaporation, you don't need to throw out the old bowl and get a bigger bowl and fill it with more water. Or how about you just check it every single day? And if it's running low, add a little more water every day and make sure it never runs dry. Consistency in the small things. If your drifting looks like a leaking vessel, you don't have to destroy the cracked vessel and get a new one. You don't need to deconstruct the vessel, then fill it with something different or new. Right? You just need to check the vessel every day and make sure there are no cracks. Make sure that the outside world isn't trying to break your vessel. Protect the vessel. Take care of the vessel. And if you do form cracks, repair it. Repair it and keep filling it so it never runs dry. Consistency in the small things. If you're drifting, looks like a drifting boat. Hope is not lost out at sea, right? Come back to the shore. Come back to the dock or whatever. You get those oars out and you start paddling back to safety. Call the Coast Guard and call for help, right? The shore, the dock hasn't disappeared. It's still there. It's a safe harbor for you. And when you get there, tie a good, sturdy knot, check the knot every day, tighten it every day to keep it from loosening. Consistency in the small things. You hear what I'm saying, right? Make time for Jesus every single day and not just in the morning, but all day, right? Set up patterns and rhythms of worship and prayer and reflection in your life so that you're able to pay much closer attention to Jesus. A lot of our our being distracted from Jesus will be taken care of if we get rid of those mostly small things in our lives that tend to distract us from Jesus. Surround yourself, not with the world, but with fellow believers who can be used by God to fill you and encourage you. He'll talk more about that later in Hebrews. And a great way to do that is by coming to church, being a part of a growth group, Students being with with Chi Alpha, right? And participating in those places. Notice that I didn't say just attend, participate. There's a big difference, but participate in those places. You don't have to do something big and dramatic if you're drifting away. Just pay closer attention to Jesus, who he is, what he's done. Just be consistent in the small things and you'll remain secure, amen? So where are you today? If you want to come on up. Where are you today? Now this letter, it, it, was, um, it was written to believers, right, followers of Jesus, as a warning to the danger of drifting. Right, so this message is not di- directly directed to unbelievers, but I believe um, that there's still something there for unbelievers to hear. Right, because God has personally offered you such a great salvation in Jesus. God has personally extended an invitation to salvation through his son, Jesus. And that great salvation, it's far greater, far more superior, infinitely better than any salvation that the world might try to offer you. And the consequences of neglecting such a great salvation, I can't avoid this, they're real. There will be an eternal sorrowful separation from God if you choose to neglect the great message of salvation that you have in Jesus. But listen, even for you, it doesn't have to be that way. You can make the decision today to say yes to Jesus, to believe in him as both your savior and your Lord and follow his ways instead of your ways all the days of your life. And if that's you, I would encourage you, I'm I'm even gonna beg you, do not neglect such a great salvation. Do not neglect it. It's not worth it. Jesus is better. Surrender your life to Jesus today. And if that's you today, and if we can just dim the lights, and if we can just all bow our heads, if that's you today, you've never said, I'm gonna follow Jesus, I just wanna say a prayer for you. Maybe you're watching online or you're, you're listening to the podcast later on. I just wanna pray for you. God, I pray that you would just continue to, to work in their lives. Those who haven't said yes to you yet, Jesus. God, I pray that, that you would just make it obvious that you are better, that you are greater and Lord, I pray that you'd fill them with such great faith that they can't avoid saying yes to you, Jesus. And for those who are ready to take that step today, God, I pray that you'd encourage them and embolden them to come and speak to somebody and say, I, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna make a decision to have him as my Lord and Savior. I wanna walk in his ways instead of my ways. Would you strengthen them and encourage them to make that confession today? And church family, maybe you know somebody in your own life who isn't walking with Jesus. Or maybe they're drifting away. What I would encourage you right now to do is is just pray for them, just say a quick prayer for them. In the book of James, James tells us that there's great blessing for those who go after those who've walked away from the faith, which is an encouragement for us. If you know somebody who's drifting, who's walking away, go get them, go get them, go after them. And one way we can do that is by saying a prayer for them. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus but you've noticed that you're drifting. The old school way of saying that is you're backslidden. Maybe you realize you're drifting and maybe your drifting is just a little. Maybe you realize that you've drifted a lot. Hear me, it's not too late. Turn back to Jesus. Turn your focus, your attention on Jesus today Right? No matter if your faith feels like it's evaporating or, or you have cracks in your faith or you're too far away from the shore, the answer is the same for you, right? Pay much closer attention to Jesus. Commit to being consistent in the small things. And if that's you today, I just wanna say a prayer for you also. And again, if we can just close our eyes because I wanna ask people to raise their hands and so just a little bit of privacy and intimacy. So if that's you if you, if you realize you're drifting, um, no condemnation, no judgment, just just slip your hand up. I want to know who I, I need to pray for. Just raise your hand if you feel like you're drifting. Thank you for your boldness. God, I thank you. For the revelation in this person's life that that they're drifting. God, I thank you that that you would speak to us. We don't deserve even to be told and given the warning that we're drifting. We don't deserve that, but you've done that. And so we thank you for that revelation. And God, I, I just pray that you would help this person come back to you. God, I pray that you would surround them with people who can encourage them and speak life into them and fill them up, point them to you, Jesus. God, I pray for a resurrection of faith today. God, I I pray for um, just answers to doubt. Lord, I pray that this person would just see you as you really are, the great messenger, the greater messenger, the greater message. We thank you, Jesus. And for others who may have um, just not have raised their hands, God, I pray that you would encourage those who feel that they're drifting. God, I pray that um, this this message today wouldn't sound like condemnation, but it would sound like hope, that they can come back to you, Jesus. So we thank you for that. And church family, you might also be here today and and you don't feel like you are drifting. You feel like your faith and, and your relationship with Jesus, it's good, you know what? Praise God, praise God. But I would encourage you to take this message seriously. Don't go into autopilot just because everything's good. Check your faith. Check if it's evaporating, right? Check for cracks. Check your your knot and make sure it's tight and secure so that you don't even risk drifting away. And so there's something here for every single one of us this morning. And God, I pray that you just seal this word in all of our hearts, Show us areas of our lives where we need um, to make changes. Show us areas in our lives where we need to um, get rid of distractions so that we can pay much closer attention to you, Jesus. And I'm believing that today will be a day of repentance. Today will be a day of walking closely with you again. We thank you, Jesus. We say all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. So one way that that we can draw closer to Jesus, one way that we can pay much closer attention to Jesus is through taking communion. And so here at CCA, we take communion every single Sunday and we do a self-serve style. So if you look in the back, you'll see two communion tables with pre-packaged communion. And what we'll do right now is uh, you can just stand up and you can go grab some communion, but I would encourage you to to take it together with, with your brothers and sisters in Christ who are here today. Point one another to Jesus this morning through communion. And before you do that, whoever you are, wherever you find yourself today, before you take communion, just do a quick check of your faith. Is there any evaporation? Are there any cracks in my faith? Am I a drifting boat? Is my knot tied? Do that first. And then take your communion this morning and remember Jesus, focus on him. God, I thank you for my church family. I thank you um, just for their commitment to you that they desire to to know you more. They desire to to see you as better than anything else, anyone else in this world. God, I thank you for their commitment and their desire to draw close to you. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us to to live, not on our own, but, but through you that your spirit helps us when we're drifting to come back to shore, to come back to to closeness closeness to you. And so I pray just for my church family that as they leave this place, they just be filled with hope that it's not too late, that they can keep coming back to you. You're there, you're with them. Lord, I pray for for my church family that um, they'd have the courage and the boldness to, to go after those who might be drifting away. Not with a condemning word, but with an encouraging word. And that they'd walk with them and beside them, pray for them, serve them, love them, and point them to you, Jesus, who is better. And God, we just look forward to how, how this message, even though it's heavy, it's gonna it's bring us closer to you, God. I'm believing that for each individual here today, that there's gonna be a closeness to you, Jesus, a cl- that, that they didn't have before they walked into this place. And so we thank you for the power of your word and that it does that for us. We thank you, we love you. We say these things in your name, amen, amen. Um, so some questions for you to just consider and, and think about throughout the week, questions that you can use to just guide you in your own faith questions that will, will help you in, in um, checking your knot, checking for cracks, you know, making sure there's no evaporation. So you can take a picture of these, write them down quickly. But number one, have you ever experienced drift in your faith before? What did it look like? Evaporation, leaking vessel, drifting boat. Number two, what is it about Jesus and his message that led you to faith in him? Number three, who do you know who is experiencing Drift. And will you commit to praying for them? I would even say, will you commit to going after them? Number four, what practices of your faith do you need to be more consistent in? What rhythms of, of walking with Jesus do you need to put in place in your life? Amen. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God and the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.